welcome to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. Our podcast is all about learning how to educate your kids. I'm one of the hosts, Elle, and this is episode 30. Wow, I can't believe we're already at episode 30. This episode, we welcomed a special guest, Yolanda Williams, from the podcast Parenting Decolonized. Yolanda is a certified positive discipline coach, and her podcast unpacks how colonization has impacted the Black family and teaches parents how to raise liberated Black children without breaking their spirits. If you find yourself homeschooling for whatever reason, this is an episode that you'll want to hear. If you're new, if you're a new listener to our podcast, I'd like to thank you for joining us. I am an entrepreneur, a mom to twin girls, and this podcast is not only for parents who homeschool their children, but it is for all parents who want to supplement their child's education. Our goal is to provide you with encouragement, insight about African history, and support as a parent and home educator. New episodes are uploaded bi-weekly, so please remember to subscribe and share. If you want to keep this podcast going, I'm asking you to tell a friend about our podcast, but you can also donate monthly through our Patreon page. Visit patreon.com slash cleverlychanging. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash c-l-e-v-e-r-l-y-c-h-a-n-g-i-n-g. And thank you in advance. Today's African proverb is, plants vary according to the quality of the soil. And that's a Ugandan proverb. It's now time for the word of the episode. Today's word of the episode is brought to you by the language Izikosa. Ntana, Ntana means child. This is cleverly cultured kids. <laughs> Hi, welcome to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. We have a special guest with us, and her name is Katriel. Katriel, can you tell us how old you are? I am eight years old. And you are homeschooled. Do you like being homeschooled? Yes. How long have you been homeschooled? For eight years. <laughs> For your whole entire life? Yes. And what grade are you in? I'm in third. Okay, very cool. What is your favorite subject? My favorite subject in like homeschool, um, it's grammar and science. Oh, wow, grammar. That's the first time I've heard a kid say that they like grammar. What do you like about grammar? Well, it's just that well, you get to learn a lot of nouns and yeah, that's very cool. And you like, do you like nouns and verbs? Yes. What do you like about them? Well, 
I find them in many, many words and books. Oh, so you like to read. Yes. What type of books do you like to read? Like comics and basically girl books. Can you tell us some names of the girl books you like? Yes. First, the first one is that um, I like Thea Sisters, the mouse. And then second, I like Zeta, the space girl. <clears throat> Very cool. What is your favorite class that you've ever taken at co-op? So, um, five in a row. We learn about we read books and then we get to eat, sometimes eat the stuff from the book in color. Oh, I've never heard about a class that you get to eat stuff from a book. That's very cool. So, I know that you have other siblings. How do you help them with homeschool? Well, I mostly help my two brothers do it on down. Um, they, they're still like in pre-K and um, K. So, I help them a lot with their letters and my baby sister too. So, I like helping them. Do you read to them? Yes. Sometimes you pretend to be their teacher and you teach them? Yes, sometimes. That's very cool. All right, so there are kids all over who listen to this podcast. So what do you want them to know about homeschooling? I want them to know that if you don't homeschool, you can just do it yourself and it's not you don't have to be like us. All right, so everybody can homeschool differently and still have fun, right? Yes. Very cool. Well, thank you for um, joining our podcast today, and I hope you have an amazing school year. Okay? Okay. Okay. All right, say bye. Bye. Welcome to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. We are back with an amazing guest, and I'm actually going to let her introduce herself to you guys and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, My name is Yolanda Williams, and I am the host of the Parenting Decolonized podcast. It is a podcast where I facilitate conversations around Um, Black parents decolonizing their parenting, unpacking, you know, generational traumas and helping to, you know, teach parents how to discipline nonviolently and, you know, raise children who don't have to recover from a childhood. Awesome. Awesome. Now, how long have you had your podcast? It's fairly new since October of last year. I launched October 24th. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, terrific. I love that you talk about, it's unapologetically Black, and it's talking about decolonizing, because we live in a world that's so um, colonized, where we often don't necessarily feel comfortable being ourselves. And your podcast gives us so many nuggets on how to, to change that, that frame of thinking. It really gets to the root of the perspective of things that could be in our community that can be a problem and really helps us just be proud of who we are and confident in ourselves. 
So, I mean, yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> that's the, you know, it's for parents to, uh, like I said, do some unpacking, but also, you know, I feel like uh, as adults, as Black adults, just coming back to that space where we feel, we, we all say that, you know, we're Black and proud, right? But there's so much internalized racism and anti-Blackness. We don't even know sometimes what that what that is. Right. And I think just being, being open to having that discussion, being open to being called out on some of the ways that we've been thinking that have been, you know, um, kind of drilled into our, our psyche by white supremacy. It's a conversation that many don't want to have, but we gonna have this conversation, y'all. Yes. yes. <laughs> I love it. Because, you know, what you're saying is that subconsciously, we've been living in this world for, you know, however many years that we've been alive and mm -hmm. we've been inundated with all this stuff. And it can be hard to get past it, but when we have open conversations about it, it makes it better. It kind of eases the playing field and helps us redirect and be more intentional about the way we live. And so that's what, you know, the fact that you're making it comfortable to do that, kudos to you and all that you do, because it's, you know, it's not easy being Black in America, and that's just the truth. Right, exactly. It's, it's not only is it black uh, hard being black in America, being a black parent is scary AF. I mean, yes, <laughs> we, we just, you know, that was what prompted me to start this podcast. Cause I was just like, I have a daughter now and I was already the type of person that um, was already feeling like feeling some type of way about police officers and stuff like that. But once I had my daughter, um, I just was, became like, you know, lioness mode <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah thinking about all the things that um i don't want her to experience i have no control over it but if i can help you know the the next if i can help parents impact how they raise their children and we can you know raise the next generation of free thinkers and activists who will help stand against white supremacy and help um you know they are decolonizing minds as well. I mean, that's that's all I want. I just don't want her to experience some of the stuff that I've experienced. It's scary. Right. And I, I love that you're not going to make the dysfunction and chaos normal. Because I think many of us, we've all gone through some trauma. And we're all trying to find our way outside of that trauma. And for each of us, it looks different. And for many of us, it may actually be normalized. It's like it happens so much, we don't realize it, we don't recognize it. And then even if we do, we may not know what to do when it happens. And so it's almost like we could be zombies, just living beings, just taking it, just taking things one by one, and it's just going right through us, and it's not even, there's a numbness to us. So I think it's, um, you know, to, ha to have that conversation and to be able to make conscious decisions. You know, you talk about conscious parenting, but to make conscious decisions to want other you know, something else, not something we've always been through, been going through for our kids to want something that's positive, to want, you know, them not to be emotionally broken. Right. I, I love that because I think just the, the state of society, many of us are emotionally broken. So my question for you is what is conscious parenting? 
okay, so conscious parenting is all about the parents, the way that we react to our children, our mindsets, our being really intentional about um, our moods, our understanding our childhood trauma and how that's affected how we view the world and how we view our children's behavior. Conscious parenting is just really that, being conscious of ourselves. And um, once you really start to be conscious of your own stuff, it helps you to, uh, I'm going to say helps because, you know, we're still people, we're always going to make mistakes, but it helps you to stop being so reactive um, and stop viewing your children as the enemy, as somebody that you have to control. I mean, these are, these are humans with their own thoughts and emotions, and our job is, they're not, I, I'm, I'm not going to ever refer to Gia as a mini-me, it's my daughter's name, because she's not a mini-me, she is her own person, um, she's not a, a miniature version of me. And so just accepting our children, accepting that they're human beings with their own feelings and thoughts and sh that they should have respect, just like we demand, we should be giving them the same respect. But how do we do that if we are coming from a place of fear and trauma? So just, just really being conscious of your own stuff. Mm, I love that. You know, you talk about getting past that trauma Mm -hmm. and not calling your daughter a minimi. I think it's, <laughs> you know, we, we say those things and we live in that, that mindset as parents thinking our kids are little versions of us. And we do that unconsciously, you know, just because somebody else said it, we kind of just take that and go with it. Not everybody, because clearly you, you recognize the ills in that and you've started to work against that sort of thinking. But are there any tips that you have to help someone kind of move past that and develop a relationship with their kid that's more conscious? Oh yeah. So I think the first, the very first thing that we could ever do to help our children, um, well, to just have a better relationship with them is to understand ourselves. So wh where did you find, where did you learn about how to be a parent? Um, what did your childhood look like? Just, just kind of, just kind of jotting these things down in the journal sometimes and just thinking about like, you know, when I was a child, did I have a voice in my household? Could I express my emotions, my displeasure? Um, or was I made to always feel like I had no emotions? I always had to, I couldn't ever display any type of attitude. You know, what, what did that look like in your, in your household growing up? And now how does your household look in comparison to that? If it's something that you don't want, then you have to work to actively undo that mindset because it becomes ingrained in you. It becomes, you know, childism is really a global phenomenon. But in the Black community, I mean, if you if you go on Instagram and put in hashtag, you know, Black moms be like, the it's it's like sarcasm. It is um, harshness. It's hardness. It's um, it's always talking about some, you know, disrespect. And it's like it's like we don't see our our children as children, and that all comes from enslavement mm -hmm. and how we how we were viewed as people in this you know not as people in this country as property so then it's been yeah as property and that's how people treat their children now as property they have to do what they say without question blind obedience have to always have a happy face while doing it fix your face don't talk back it's like they're not people 
And so if that's how you were raised and you know how that feels, like don't act like you liked it because you didn't. Um, and you know, cause they'll be like, Oh, I turned out fine. You didn't like it when it was happening to you. So whether you think you turned out fine or not, you didn't like how you were being treated. So why would you want to treat someone else that way that you didn't like? Um, but, and I, and I don't believe anybody who was ever hit and treated like property is ever fine. Um, but that's another, we can go into that a little bit later. So if you, yeah. <laughs> if you really feel like, okay, I don't want to have that type of relationship. I want my child to be able to express their emotions and to be able to have a voice in my home, what do I need to get over? What, are, what do I need? What trauma do I need to unpack um, and, and heal from in order to in order to do that? That's the starting point, in my opinion. Wow. I mean, it was so much to unpack in what you just said. <laughs> um, but one of the things that really stood out to me, and I think it really aligns with what I try to do um, in my brand or my blog as a parent and so forth, is I try to change that narrative to a positive one about what it is to be a Black mother. And I think that we have to foster that in our friends, in people that interact with us. And, you know, it's, you know, we often think of the strong Black woman and that doesn't automatically um, associate itself with all positive images. Sometimes that can mean taking abuse and just, you know, working like nothing happened. You know, it, it's, you know, you can look at it several ways. And so with what you said, it's like, remember when you were going through it, it didn't feel good. So don't do it. You know, so often we hear about abusers who um, sometimes abuse others. And I think that's kind of at the root, we have to get away from that sort of mindset, even if it's not intentional behaviors. Right. So that's, that's powerful. Well, and we have to stop mistaking, we have to stop acting like, you know, um, culturally it's like acceptable to be sort of like this toxic parent. And we have to stop mistaking, mistaking culture for toxicity. It's, it's not okay to treat your children like property. I don't care. <laughs> like, uh, I, I just, it bothers me when I see, and I hear videos and I see these comedians um, make jokes about it because it's such a prevalent trope. And it disturbs me because I don't want, that's not how I want, that's not how I want people to see black mothers or black fathers. You know, I know that there's so many of us that want to change this generational narrative who want, who don't want to raise their children with violence. There's a lot of us, but those voices are, are drowned out a lot. It's very hard to find support for this type of parenting um, because it's such a cultural thing. It's ingrained like black, black children or children in general need to be hit to be, to be, um, you know, good people. And let's just keep it real. What the issue really is, is you want your children to be obedient. So it's like obedience over everything. And I'm just not with that. I'm not raising an obedient child. I'm raising a child who thinks for herself. That's going to be harder, right? Because, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the truth. It's going to be harder. Yeah. Um, that means we're going to have a lot of, whew, a lot of hard conversations and times and Maybe even some arguing. Yes, I said arguing with my child because she is a person and she may not agree with me. But um, I mean, she's only two, so we ain't really had that many. We ain't had none. <laughs> well, I but, definitely you know, I'm there. I have an 11 year old who I feel like she's a little CEO. I like I I know for a fact <laughs> that she's going to run a company. She's going to run things, and I must say, it's not easy. 
not. It's not. When you want to, if you see that already in her, then uh, I think the thing about the type of person that you have to foster, the, the type of, the, the way you raise her, foster, you know, to foster that and bring that stuff out of her, the, the critical thinking skills, the using your voice, the saying no to people, yes. to demanding excellence, right? To, to, from keeping people accountable. That's what a CEO does, right? Yes. So she should be able to do that at home. Yeah, and, and she does. Every, every moment <laughs> she gets a chance. <laughs> so I definitely, I get that. But, you know, it's, you know, because I'm living it, it's definitely not easy in the moment because it's not the, you know, how you have family members that are looking on and other people. It's not the model of a Black family relationship that is normal. And so people are like, are you going to check her? And I'm just like... I, you know, I think there is definitely a way to respect, but I want her to be able to be a whole person and be comfortable voicing her opinion. I believe there is a level of respect that should be warranted, but I do give my kid more, much more freedom than I had as a, as a child. And it's not, um, not to allow any sort of disrespect. Cause I think that's something totally different, mm -hmm. but you mm -hmm. want to foster their uh, their leadership skills and allow them to lead. And so I think it is, it is tricky trying to find the right way to do it. I'm definitely learning. I haven't arrived. I haven't <laughs> really, um, I'm learning through it. And so, um, you know, it's definitely, it challenges you as a parent. So I think what you said is definitely wisdom. <laughs> a lot of wisdom. It's true. I have a six-year-old house manager and my <laughs> She swears she is running things. And I don't want to, you know, cut her off there, but it's it's um definitely a a conscious decision that I've made that I'm going to allow her the opportunity to make decisions and to speak her mind. But I do draw a line where okay wait a minute now you're stepping into being rude so mm -hmm. let's find a better way to say that you don't it, have that's how that's it is yes but see that's the thing right so kids don't come out the womb knowing dis what disrespect is or right. even it's a concept and it's subjective so you know, when people hear that, you know, you're not hitting your child or allowing them to say no or have an opinion, they're like, well, they need discipline and punishment. And it's just like, if you don't get out of here, it, we're nobody's saying <laughs> to let your child literally do everything they want to do. Well, you have to teach them. And the best teacher is through experience. So when your child does pop off, you can just be like, okay, so I understand what you're trying to say, but I couldn't hear you because of how you said it. So can we try this again? Right. And that's how you just teach them in the moment about respect through respecting them because you're a model like how do you the first the first person to teach them about respect is you and that's through modeling what respect is and that means treating them with respect Absolutely. if you want it so badly show them what it looks like in the way you treat them yes because yeah, they're humans too they have feelings thoughts and all mm -hmm. of that and there's no reason that because they are under four feet that that somehow <laughs> negates their humanity or their ability to know what they want or what they don't want. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So that leads me to ask you, were you raised by conscious parents? 
Not even a little. <laughs> oh no. Not even like a minuscule piece of conscious parenting at all. Like, listen, I love my mother, but um, but she was not a conscious parent. Um, there was a lot of yelling. There was a lot of berating. There was a lot of name calling. There was a lot of hitting. Oh. I mean, when we were teenagers, it you know it went from a belt to actual like horrible things. Like I, you know, it's my daughter in the background, y'all. <laughs> she laughing at me at the story, and I'm trying to figure out why. But um, she she went to hitting us with like a um a water hose oh no i mean i'm so yeah. sorry to hear that I, me too thank you and it's just but that's you know when i when i had i grew up thinking you know what children needed this type of treatment girl get off me sorry um i grew up thinking children needed this type of treatment right because that's how i that's we were considered good kids quote unquote mom had no idea that the business I was getting into behind her back because strict <laughs> parents really just raise sneaky children. Yeah. Right. And so that's what I was. Yeah. I was a sneaky child that got away with a lot because I knew how to be a very good liar because you learn how not to get punished. You know, that's what punishment does. It's what being a strict parent does. So I didn't grow up at all like this. This is something that I learned when I got pregnant. I was just like, what type of parent do I want to be? I really thought about that. And then I studied, like I was studying for the SATs and I read all these books about brain science and stuff. And, you know, I was just like, I really just, I really just want to do something different with mine. And that's what I told my family, like, there ain't going to be no hitting of Gia, no, no physical punishments. And of course I got, you can't be your children's friend. I'm like, where, where did I say? And who, yeah. But yes, you can. Why not? It's be. so funny that you guys. my friend. Why not? <laughs> I, my mother was my friend as a child. And honestly, this term of being a conscious parent is kind of new to me. But I think my mother really did embody a lot of that. Thinking back, you know, she used to talk to me with words. She, I guess she realized early on, I think she did try the whole corporal punishment thing with me. But I, um, very hard-headed and that kind of stuff didn't work for me. So you could beat me until you're blue in the face. I don't give a rat's behind. Mm. Guess what? I got plans and I'm going to show you something. And so she figured out that, you know, talking to me and reasoning with me was so much better and it actually worked. Okay. So now I understand what it is that you're going for. Okay. Well, maybe we can work together on this. Can we come up with some kind of compromise? And I'm sure a lot of people probably thought that my mother was crazy. I remember I used to get in trouble with my first grade teacher all the time for rolling my eyes and sucking my teeth. But guess what? When she met my mama and my grandma, they did it too. And it was just, it's just what we do, okay? Right. If you like it, that's unfortunate. If you feel as though I have hurt your feelings, well, you should work that out for yourself because it, it has nothing to do with you. It's just me releasing that frustration that I had right. in the moment. So right. for um, people who are, you know, hell bent on you're gonna respect me well what is respect you know and i think a lot of parents haven't quite thought about what respect actually is for them does it really matter if the child calls you gail that's your name okay <laughs> i mean talking about that's not my name my name is mom no it's not right look if somebody <laughs> says mom 
there's 15 other moms in this one room, right? <laughs> Who are you calling? You know, I'm not a penguin. I can't quite always distinguish between, <laughs> you know, this child and my child. I can't lie. I've been in a grocery store before. Here's somebody call mom and I'm looking around. It's not my children. It's someone else. So, you know, I just think that when we get into the whole idea of how do we want to parent, a lot of times, you know, the, our first inclination is to go with the way we were raised. And it, I mean, was it difficult for you to, you know, break the mold and do something different or even to tell them that you were going to do something different and to expect them to respect your, your um, choice? You know, it wasn't. Um, and that's just because early, early on, I found um, other people, like-minded people early on while I was still pregnant who thought like me on Facebook. Oh. And so I felt sort of empowered by that. And then once I told them, it was pretty much like a non-negotiable, look, this is not a democracy, okay? <laughs> I'm doing this, either you can get with it or get lost. And what I try to do is just um, is model what I want that to look like. But um, what what I won't do, you know, I love, you know, what's, what's amazing is that they, my family has been um, a great help to me. This, you know, with Gia, I'm a single mom, I need my family and it's all women. But um, they know that in a minute, I'll just be like, I guess you're just gonna have supervised visits because I'm not leaving her here with you. That's just how I feel about it. I'm not gonna, I'm never going to put an adult's feelings over my child's emotional well-being. It's just never gonna happen. Mm. And And when you spoke earlier about like how you'll have like people looking at you waiting for you to check your daughter oh you know the the watchful eye of a black family member man it'll make you feel like you have to perform <laughs> yes it, just, it really does it makes you feel like you have to perform and sometimes that will lead to you changing the way that you parent on a daily basis um and i just encourage anyone going through that to really feel empowered in that moment to say to your you know to the person like um i'll handle this the way i'm going to handle it if you may not like it, but my child, you know, like, and I feel like we don't do that enough because we are again, raised to respect our elders, but my elders will not disrespect my child either. So there's, there has to be a balance here. I'm not going to let anyone, I don't care, honestly, y'all. And I know this is not the, this is not the prevailing thought, but I don't care if you're 90 or nine, <laughs> my kid. <laughs> oh. No, I see exactly what you're saying. And I think it has it has merit because, so I'm the youngest in my family and my mom is 82 now. So I grew up around that old school thought and there have been so many moments when I said, I have to break this mold because this cycle that has started isn't a healthy one. And so I think what you are doing, you're breaking the mold and you're saying, I want my daughter to be emotionally healthy. And that is important to me. That is of paramount importance. And I'm willing to do what it takes, even if that means putting some older folks, you know, it's not disrespectful no, to say, not. you know, I want my child to be emotionally healthy. Don't do this, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think it's important and you're empowering other women by just sharing this you're empowering them to do the same so so thank yeah. you yeah because there's a way to respect the elder while yeah. still providing um i don't want to call it correction but just to by boundaries. making a request you know it's a boundary i i don't yeah. want her to think that this is okay so i'm gonna have to ask you please don't do that 
if this is going to be a problem for you, then maybe we need to work something else out. I don't think that's rude. Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure an elder person would think that that's rude, even though you said it very gently and kindly. But, you know, I think for them, they still look at us as children. I can't lie. I still right. feel like I'm 12 years old most of the time. <laughs> right. That's what I was going to say. You get transported back in the childhood when you're around like your parents or your grandparents and they expect you to act like yes. smaller yes. children. My mom has actually said like, you guys, you guys, um, you know, the way we talk to her, we, we have never been disrespectful to my mom, even, even now. And, but you just don't like that. Now you can't control everything. That's right. what you don't like. Right. So I'm putting yeah, this boundary up. No, you can't call her bad. I don't allow her to be called bad. You may not like me correcting you, but you're going to either you, like I said, <laughs> you get with it or get lost. I don't want to tell you because I'm not going to allow you to plant that seed. She's not a bad child. She's mm -hmm. a two-year-old. Right. That touches things. And it's just like these prevailing thoughts about like uh, children and like a lot if you really look at it a lot of these things are not rooted in any kind of science no they're just anecdotal and they're mostly because of the parents want to um control they don't understand they yeah. want to control they don't understand child development it's so it's, it's tradition it's tradition it's tradition so you're like pop you know pop her hand if she's touching something how about i'm gonna move that thing Right. Be <laughs> I agree. And Let I don't have move to hit my child. Altogether. About? <laughs> I don't have to, I'm, she's not a dog. I don't have to train her to not touch that. What I'm going to do is make her environment safe. Right. And so she can feel free to touch anything in here without hearing no and stopped and getting popped all day. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, what about them running off in the streets? Why don't you have their hand? Why don't you pick them up? Like they're children. They don't understand what safety is. Right. Hitting your child because you fail to keep them safe. Okay. Let's just keep it real. Right. Is not okay. It's not. So I, I loved when you brought out bound, you brought up the word boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is just, you know, at the root of it. I think when we are raising our kids and when we're dealing with other people, just even just dealing with ourselves, we have to understand boundaries. And I think that um, often as a person of color, our boundaries are overlooked. Oh, And yes. so how do we as parents um, help define, because I feel like the notion of having boundaries as a black woman is we're not really given license to have boundaries, but we should. All. And so how do we kind of, um, go past that sort of idea of tradition that has basically taken away our boundaries and we put it back into place? How do we go about that? You know, and it, it is part of tradition and, and not it's because of the way we were raised when your boundaries from the time you are a child are completely, you know, just being stepped on by your, by adults in your life. Um, you quickly learn that um, you don't have any <laughs> like you and you can't enforce them even if you've got them. So I, you know, I have, I still have a hard time with boundaries. Um, Gia is probably the only, only reason I have even a few, like I was, my boundaries have always been really fuzzy but I'm learning that it is not my job to fix other people, that it is okay if others get angry if I, if I have boundaries. That's their problem, it's not mine. Right. It's okay for me to say no. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not my job to make anyone else but me happy. So 
they don't have to, and they don't have to agree with me. Just kind of keeping these things in, in the back of my mind when I'm setting boundaries and knowing that the people who want to overstep your boundaries will, will get angry with you, mm. that those are the people that you may need to, um, you may need to not, not just detach from per se, but maybe make sure that you have a game plan. So for instance, let's say your mother um, wants to keep popping your child, even though you say mm -hmm. stop, they just reach out and just pop them, just like automatic. Oh, they pop. And then you're, you keep having this argument about it. Clear boundary is supervised visits. Right. You do not, you do not, you make sure you're a barrier between your mom and, and, and the baby. And then you just make them visit short, yeah. right? Those, that's a logical consequence of her behavior because that's how I do, that's what I talk about logical and natural consequences all the time. And you don't have to hit anyone for them to learn. They will quickly learn, oh my God, I'm not getting time with my, with my grandbaby. I wonder why, let me ask. Well, because you want to keep hitting her. I told you no, you kept doing it. So now I have this boundary up where I'm only spending 10 minutes at your house now. Okay, <laughs> you got 10 minutes. You might want to use them well until I know that she's safe around you. This is how it's going to be. And they're not going to like this, you guys. But you know what? what? That's not your problem. That is not your problem. You're, you don't have to... Uh, you don't have to step on your own boundaries and, and allow someone to step on your child's in order to show respect to an elder. Like that's just not, okay. you are also modeling boundaries to your children. So whenever you allow your mom or your auntie to be making snide remarks about your child and you don't say anything, they're noticing. They're noticing that. Okay. Well, we did kind of um, touch on the, the difficulties that people of color, black people in general, have with um, striking. I think that's a major, striking and yelling is very, we talked about this already though, you know, how um, people of color have a different um, idea of discipline right. that kind of stems from you know, slavery. Yes. <laughs> ages and ages ago being stolen and broken, right? But <clears throat> a lot of the same systems aren't exactly in place in the same manner as they were back then. And so we don't need to discipline our children in that way. But do you have any thoughts that you would like to share on, you know, why we have such um, a disconnect or just a disregard for the idea of parenting consciously and why so many of us will look at that and say, well, that's a white people thing. <laughs> oh. Listen, hitting your child is the whitest thing you could ever do. It is the hitting your child what? is the whitest thing that you could ever do. Yeah, I said it. I got it from Stacey Patton. <laughs> she wrote the book called spare the child and when she talks when she breaks it down I, and i got the book thinking about doing a book club on it because it breaks some stuff down when you think about the legacy of violence that white supremacy has left yeah um on us on indigenous people on um on the land on the earth mm. white supremacy is a plague and it's violent it's a violent plague so when you use violence on your child, it is the whitest thing you can do. Loving your children, attachment parenting, that came from Africa, y'all. 
that ain't, that wasn't some white lady um who invented that shit sorry stuff <laughs> that was that was um that that originated in the motherland right with the they don't allow their children to cry mm-hmm. they don't they see their children um as people who deserve respect these are you know tr- the uh, tribal people and there's a village there right. so this idea that it's it's a white person's thing to be empathetic and compassionate and love your children unconditionally um and accept them for who they are and to not hit them that is not a white person thing the latter is hitting them taking away their voice taking away their autonomy making them into property hmm. that's oh that's that's a byproduct of whiteness so i'm gonna need y'all to, to, to really understand that you've been brainwashed to think that this is what we do just because we black this is what we do no this is what we were taught for generations this is how black black bodies need violence in order to learn black people need violence mm-hmm. black people are inherently bad whenever you tell whenever you say the words i need to do this in order for my child to not go to jail or whatever you've already assumed inherent badness in your child like right. you have to beat it out of them that that's where you know you end up anyway so yeah you've assumed that already that. Mm-hmm. that is a byproduct of white supremacy that is internalized racism and internalized violence against black people i'm not this isn't this isn't some like you know super hotepy like thing this is the truth <laughs> right right like this is you know when you really think about the insidiousness of of whiteness and white supremacy it it completely brainwashed brainwashes uh, colonization all of that stuff has brainwashed so many people into thinking that um you know black women are overly sexual you gotta you gotta beat that out of them um and then black boys and girls need violence against their bodies to learn we don't a brain our brains are just as it's just like the white person's brain and they don't need violence to learn so you know what i'm saying so why do we we don't Right. I think that for the sake of the podcast, I think uh, creating a visual picture is helpful because when I think of parents in Africa, I think of them strapping their babies to them Mm -hmm. as they work, as they spend time with them. So it's so, when you talk about attachment, parenting is so ingrained from the time they're infants, because, you know, there was a strong push for nursing your kids and Mm -hmm. just spending time with them. So the attachment parenting is there. And so for those who need the visual picture, they would use the cloth and they would wrap their babies close to their bodies. That is ingrained. Now we have, in America, we call it the kangaroo hole. That was done way, (laughs) way back in the day before it was called the kangaroo hole. Right. Called baby wearing. Right. right. Baby wearing. And that's one of my favorite things to do. You know, I have worn <laughs> all four of my little babies. And even though the last one, I don't um, put him in the strap anymore. I call it the strap. Get my strap. And um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's always on me. Always. It's, and it drives yeah. me crazy sometimes because I'm just, can I just get two inches of space can my skin breathe the pores said <laughs> let it get no. full air but at the same time i know that he's um he's looking for something he's right. he's needing that closeness and so i try not to just you know push them off and you are you know i'm not really the touchy feely kind you know so it really does kind of drive me nuts i just want to stretch out 
<laughs> I give I've given them all that um that ability Closeness. to you know just attach and they still you know come up to me and lay the little head all over me climb all over me fighting over space on my neck and I'm just like you got mm. out of hand but I always think like you were saying about the mamas and shucks even the daddies walking mm-hmm. around with their cloths with the baby wrapped up in there and the baby just sitting there looking around at peace and happy I mean, look, look it up. I want that for them. The, these, these, these babies don't cry. They um, don't. They don't cry because there's always an immediate, their needs are immediately met. Right. So if they do cry, there's a boob in their mouth or they're strapped to, they're strapped to somebody, they're being held, their diapers are being changed. It's all right away. And then they also give them autonomy. So when they can start moving around by themselves, they let them explore things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they let them touch things that they probably shouldn't touch. They are they help them learn through natural and logical consequences. Everything that 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 we're talking about with conscious parenting, it is not new. It's new to many of us because it's completely opposite of what we were raised to believe mm-hmm. a child needs in order to learn and in, in order to be a productive member of society. But these kids, you know, in these tribes, they grow up to be very independent people, um, very hardworking people. And they are also very community-oriented people, right? They stay and they help their yeah. parents and they, and they help um, raise up the next generation of people in the same way. So it's like, I know it's different because if, if you are, let's say, you know, I was out there and my child started crying and I couldn't nurse at that moment, there's another auntie that may be nursing. That kind of stuff was very common out there. Mm-hmm. The village is completely broken um, in the United States and it was on purpose that it was broken. And so when we start talking about like a, what, you know, that's a white person's thing is just in order for us to really, in order for us to shed these um, really dangerous tropes about like how, how children need to learn, we first got to start looking at like where, where these practices came from and, and recognize that the ones that we are doing, the ones that are perpetuated as culture, a lot of it is toxic. You're absolutely right. Indeed. So, and I just want to throw this in too. Not only is it toxic, it is gatekeeping for white supremacy. Ooh, look at you. Uh-oh. <laughs> Somebody's toes feel a little crunchy. <laughs> I mean, I might have just, yeah, I might have stepped on a few bar. When you are basically raising a child to be blindly obedient, to feel like property, and then you, then you get them out in the world, you're just like, well, why didn't you speak up for yourself? Yeah, I can't. What practice? Mm. I can't stand that when people are like, oh, my baby listens. And I'm like, oh, I can't lie. I I want them to listen. But at the same time, I don't want you to just be obedient because some authority figure said Mm -hmm. this is what it is. Well, guess what? Authority figures end up being wrong all the time. Science gets debunked all the time. I mean, there's always evolution to things. I mean, just because something is legal does not make it right. And so if nobody ever were to ask the question, how come I can't vote? How come I can't sit here? How come I can't travel there? How come I have to give this medication, this shot, whatever it is, then no one would ever make any progress. There weren't people saying, but why? And hold on. And saying no. Take this. Right. How about no? Yeah. I just Rosa Parks was just like, nah, nope. <laughs> yeah. 
not getting up. And that's in a beat like we want. Don't get me. I want. Leave, I want you to listen too. But I also want her to challenge the status quo. I want her to if something she knows something is like. If, I see these things happening in schools, like you know, black child bringing home uh, an assignment that has something really horrible to do with slavery. And I'm just like, listen, I really hope I'm raising a child that in that classroom will stand up and be like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> Call my mom. I'm not doing this. That's the child I'm raising. Okay? So, yeah, that's that's the child I have. She challenged me today. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and share it. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and share it. This is my same CEO child. So I told her that she didn't need to eat MSG. I was like, it's oh monosodium boy. glutamate. It's bad for you. And basically she was like, where did you hear that? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, I can pull it up on the, yes. <laughs> you know, so first I asked Google and essentially we found an article, a couple articles. Cause you had, I told her you have to um, not just take your first source. You have to take a couple sources mm -hmm. and then come to your own conclusion. Well, basically, um, at the root of it, it was basically we found a video about someone who had to, did research on it. And basically, it's a part of xenophobia. That's so because ch they called it the Chinese, oh, Chinese salt. Yeah, it's yes. calling it. Oh, my goodness. No, but, but basically, they're saying that it was painted as bad for people mm -hmm. because people were trying to make it seem like Chinese uh, were trying to do something bad for others. It's not that the seasoning is actually bad. It's, it's, it's based on xenophobia. So I was just what? like, man, it's I'm going to have to to do my report, like your, your <laughs> <laughs> like when your kid challenges you, and this is a good thing, again, yes. I'm, I'm working, I'm working on it, you know, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I gotta get my, do my own report so that I can say, hey, you know, so I did this research, but when you are, so my kid has been homeschooled from birth, um, and we have these moments where it's like, well, yeah, I've, I've always heard that MSG is bad for you, but now we have to see what's really the root. So we're going to have to check more than just three sources. We're going to have to really do a report on this and come back and say, this is what I found. This is what you've come to a consensus on it. But I was challenged today. And honestly, I feel more, I feel wiser. Like, yes. don't just, just because somebody says something is bad, do your own research. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, the people who are painting the story, who are telling us the story, they have a hidden agenda. Yeah, they're framing it in a way that gets them what they're looking for. But I'm going to say this. I am intrigued, and I will be doing my <laughs> own research on the Ding Dang MSG. Honestly, I don't know that I necessarily, I guess because I eat most, I eat a lot of, um, you know, freshly raw stuff. I don't do a whole lot of processed foods like that. Well, I shouldn't say oh. I'm going to say 50-50 because there are some things that I'm just not there yet, you know, like canning my own tomato sauce. I want to, but I don't know how to find the time to, you know, get into that. But anyway, I digress. I'm thinking that, you know, looking, doing that for a health topic. Yeah. That's sounds, what we want to do for nutrition. Yeah, it sounds real <laughs> good to me. Because, I mean, MSG, they always say it's so horrible, right? Right. So, so I can say, as a parent who's raising this kid, that I'm, I'm challenged, I'm intrigued, and I'm learning. Yes. 
So that really is a great segue to our next question to you. Although Gia is only two years old, we've heard you express some interest in unschooling on your podcast. What makes unschooling desirable to you? Um, because I really want to raise like a really quirky, like weird little girl. <laughs> I really want, I don't want her to be a conformist. I don't want her to, to be, she's sitting up in some classroom, just, you know, wrote, memorizing things and, and not really learning, um, about real life. And, and so, you know, we're gonna, my, my ultimate goal is to buy some land out here in Arkansas and build on it and start an organic farm so we can grow our own food. And what is a better classroom than a working farm, you know, and just biology and ecology and, and just learning about, about how our bodies, you know, will, will uh, react to all this amazing new food by the way fresh tomatoes homegrown tomatoes are amazing if you they haven't grown one you are should. what you say my god she's a but um she yes. has a lot of things in her that's garden. how i found you <laughs> oh hey okay good <laughs> yes because i'm just like obsessed now i grew a tomato and i was just like oh my god i never knew oh and, man, and that's that. like having that having those kind of realizations exploring new foods that we've never you know had that aren't in the grocery store like i really just want her to um have a different view of life and not only that when you i feel like unschooling just allows them to learn in the most natural way that they learn and and that's how i learn um i didn't finish college because i just couldn't get with the couldn't get with the program of college it just i couldn't just sit and let someone talk at me um and i had to really work i had to support myself so i had no time for it but it just wasn't resonating with me I learned a lot through walking, watching documentaries and doing stuff right. and reading books. Like that's how I learn. I am a bevy of useless information. Okay. I just am. <laughs> and it's because I love to learn about like weird stuff. And so I, it really interests me that um, unschooling just promotes this natural, which how she will learn naturally. Yeah, I, I want her most to, humans do it. Yeah, it? yeah, it's kinda, self-directed yeah. education. Yeah, you pick up what you pick up, wherever you pick it up, and you hold on to it if it's useful, and yeah, don't if you don't. Yeah, I love, I love what you said because I think in in my house I am the typical student. You know, I, I that's just me. I was um, because I am the youngest. I think I was always told to do things, and I was like, okay, I'll do them. And I was a big rule follower. I think it may have something to do with my personality. But in when I became a parent, I said I want my child to be able to make calculated risks, mm-hmm. and I want them to be able to explore because there is a part of me that's always trying to break out. Like I can feel it like a, a t- an internal tug that says, no, you need to go beyond that. You can do more. You can, you can go past this boundary. And so it's like, it's so, it's a dichotomy that lives within me. And I don't necessarily want my kids to have that exact same type of pool. So I've been um, raising them differently. And I think of my husband who was homeschooled for a time and he just, he just sees the world endlessly and he can just do so many things. He just does it. And I'm like, wow, you're just going to, you're going to take that apart and put it back together. And he was like, yeah, they, they have a YouTube video and I'll just do it. Like, and it'll be something really complex. And I'll be like, really? So I think it's just important with self-directed education. It teaches you how to trust yourself. Mm-hmm. And for me, 
that's what I'm learning. I'm on a journey learning how to trust myself. And for my husband, I feel like he's, he's already there. And so I'm happy that my kids have, um, they're able to see that um, in both parents, you know, to a certain extent, but I feel like, you know, they see me on this journey. And uh, my other daughter, who I haven't really talked about that much, she's more like me. She, she follows the rules. She does things within her boundary. And so it's really trying to get her to look beyond that so that she's not, you know, my age, finally discovering herself. And so I think it's important to see it. Yeah. Can I just say that I don't think that she's looking for herself. I think she knows and she's just quite comfortable with that. It's just, this is the way I am. You know, I think she's very sensitive though, but you know, she, I think she knows this I simple and plain is good for me. That's what I like. Okay. I, I just want to be, is, am I happy? Do I feel good? Does this make me feel good? Well then I'm good. I think that's kind of where, where she is. I think, I'm sure there will be more um, evolution to her, her personality and the creation of boundaries and things. But, you know, I think, She's kind of there. She's just being herself. And I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to be um, in the right and wanting to follow the rules. But she asks plenty of good questions and she notices things and speaks up, hey, just the other night. She does. <laughs> you know, so I don't think that um, if you your child just seems really docile and not the super militant one that just may not be her his or her style but our temperament yeah but that doesn't mean that they're not they're just taking yeah, the person's word for it right that they wouldn't buck the system in yeah. their own manner because i think i think she would she definitely does have the moments where she's like mm, no yeah i mean <laughs> and not like i idolized gandhi because i think he had quite a few misconceptions, but even he, with his gentle manner, was able to say, hold up now, I disagree, and I want y'all to change this. So everything doesn't have to be Huey P. Newton, Malcolm X, Fist Force. Right. There's plenty of other ways. I mean, look at the um, some of the Haitians that were feeding their masters kindly and tenderly, but it wasn't something that was good to be eaten. And they got sick and died. Look about the, the mothers who were putting the pins in the top of the baby's head so that the baby would unfortunately die. But at the same time, they would not have to endure said suffering. You know, so there's lots of those are very traumatic stories. I, I, they are, but I mean, it's just... I, I understand what you're you saying. You know, it, there's lots of silent ways to go about Speaking starting a revolution. And, and yeah, it may look different for different people. It's not a one-size-fits-all. And I think it's important to keep that in mind that um, being conscious and being woke, as we say, <laughs> it looks different for different people. Yeah. You know, me wanting to be woke may not be standing on the, 
the sidelines picketing, you know, are holding a sign. I may want to, you know, write a blog about it, you know, speak about it, do, do different things. So everybody, it may not be the same method to our madness, but as long as we're doing something to speak up, that's what matters. I agree. And when we're talking about, you know, um, bringing about change, whether it's in our work life, our home life, you know, it's, or, you know, even our civil lives, honestly, it does seem to take several different approaches. So there's, you're going to need somebody to take the violent approach. You're going to need someone to take the nonviolent approach. You're going to need someone to take the educational approach. You're going to need someone to take the scientific approach so that all these different um, fingers on the same hand are able to grasp the goal. It's not, um, you know, and I think even when it comes to um, parenting our children, just like how we were talking about, it takes a village, right? You, you need to be able to take different approaches according to the situation and the child or children in order to come to a whole well-being that is, you know, autonomous and confident and happy and healthy. Yeah. All right. Well, we are wrapping it up. I feel like we could we could talk to you for a long time, but we'll have to definitely do a sequel. Um, so what um, I want people to know where they can find you and if you have any just final words for the audience. Um, well, you know, thank you guys for having me on on your show. Um, you know, it's I always say that conscious parenting is activism against white supremacy. If we want to just start raising a different generation to think differently about the world and see the world differently, we have to do something different. You know, black children have been getting hit and yelled at for centuries now, right? And it has not helped us. <laughs> um, it hasn't made um, it hasn't made black people any any different or any better or anything like that i feel like if we want to see a bigger a bigger change in the way that we interact with each other in the way that um you know men and women interact you know with each other and in the world in the way that we treat we treat uh, everyone we have to start with children and how we respect them and how that how we speak to them and how we value them and see them as whole human beings um, who just need to be taught how to navigate the world. They don't need to get need to get it beaten into them. They just need to be shown the right path. And they will make mistakes, um, as we all do, as adults do. But, you know, we, if we can extend adults in our lives all this grace, we should be able to extend it to children. Yes. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. One of my, and one just last note, if you can Honestly, if you can, if you have a job where you have to leave the house and if you can muster smiling at people you don't care for all day and encouraging them okay. and being nice to them, then you should keep that same energy when you get home with your children. Right. They should not be the people that get to, once you get home, now you can release all that pent up like frustration and resentment towards the world. They're not the people to do that with. You got to figure out something else in your life 
to help you with your stress and with and, and make sure you're taking care of yourself. Self-care is a large part of conscious parenting because we matter too. Parents matter too. So we have to make sure we're taking care of ourselves and loving on ourselves and making sure that we are, um, you know, getting our vitamins and getting sleep and, you know, getting a day off sometimes and not taking life out on our children. If we can smile at these strangers yeah. and, and give them all kinds of grace and compassion and politeness, we can do the same with our kids. You're absolutely right. I think it's, it's something that we owe to ourselves as well as our children. Yeah. And, you know, just having this conversation gives us the permission to look out for, for yourself. It's not a dirty word. It's not a mm -hmm. bad thing. We matter too. And yeah, that's important. not being selfish. And that's taken me a long time to get to that point. Cause I give everything to these babies. Everything. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> but you know, I, it's, it's taken me, I'm serious, a long time to come to the point where, you know what, I do matter too. I don't have to give them everything to the point where I'm just, yeah. uh, take me now. Completed. Yeah. Right. So where you know, can we the, go? Go ahead, sorry. Oh, sorry. You know, the biggest, the biggest thing I had to learn was, you know, not just I matter, but like, my hopes and dreams matter. Yes. The things that um the things that keep me going, that keep me passionate matter. You know, that the and just just I matter. <laughs> and right. you guys do too. So if there's hobbies that you want to do or things that you put on hold for your for, for your kids, that doesn't serve your children to put those things on hold. Right. If you can figure out how to do them, I encourage you to I encourage you to start. I encourage you to look into um going back to dancing or drawing or just whatever kind of fills up your cup because you can't pour from the empty cup. Mm -hmm. You can't. That's definitely been a common thread that we've been sharing um throughout our blogs and um on our social media because it's very important for our children to see us fulfilling our dreams. Yes. It's something that I say, I write these little notes on Instagram and I know my husband's like, can you start writing those? But to <laughs> me, I like them. it's usually a message to myself. It's the lessons that I learned that week. And one of the greatest lessons that I have learned is that I want my kids to see that you can be a mom and still fulfill your dream. To me, that yes. is very important. I don't want them to put um, themselves aside once they have a family because I feel like when you not that you know I'm trying to increase that thought that you can do it all but I want them to see that when you love yourself you can love others at the yes. same time and I think by fulfilling your dream that is just one portion or just one way that you're showing you love yourself and so yes. I think that's very important that you mentioned that and our children we don't necessarily see the rewards of us showing them now, but I guarantee that when they are older, they will say, mom, I appreciate you fulfilling your dreams. I saw you do it, so I know I can do it. And I think that that is like, for me, that is one of the most important legacies I wanna leave with my kids. I love it. I agree. I mean, we're a whole person too. We were, we had whole lives before they were yes. ever a thought and experiences and things. And so to put all of that aside and to make yourself not human anymore because you gave birth to babies, you know, it, it doesn't really make sense, but we do that to ourselves 
and we we don't have to we don't need to we need to stop <laughs> yeah we can change that narrative yeah, we can right. change that narrative yeah so yeah, tell nice. everybody where they can find you and follow you online well um i am on facebook at um you just go to parenting decolonized uh i spell it really weird on instagram and i probably shouldn't have did that but i think <laughs> i believe it is p r n p r T N G D oh. colonized. I'm gonna just put it in the show notes. I don't even, I don't, that's probably not even right, y'all. Uh, but I am on Instagram and I'm doing really horribly on Twitter, but I'm trying to get my life on there. Um, but mostly you can go to my go to my website, parenttodecolonized.com, is where you listen to the podcast, as well as just read um some of the blogs I have. And you know, there's some big things coming, and I hope I hope you guys continue to, you know, enjoy what I'm doing. Okay. Terrific. I do. I appreciate you so much. I do. I appreciate you guys. Thank I, you. Thank I've you seen you in the, um, the, the, what is it? One of the Facebook groups. I thought it was your Facebook group. Is it your Facebook group? Yeah. So my Facebook group, Facebook group, um, conscious parenting for the culture is a co-ed space for black parents to talk about how to be more conscious parents. Um, you know, y'all are welcome to join. Anybody's welcome to join. And we, we really do, you know, it's not, as you well know, it's not easy parenting this way. Um, a lot of people want to give up a lot. And so we really encourage them and give them the techniques and the tools to keep going. Yes. I've learned a lot of things in the short time that I have come to the group and I thoroughly appreciate it so much because you know, <laughs> we do need that encouragement and those, um, you know, little support braces to yeah. keep going because it's not easy. It's not easy. And it can be lonely when you, you don't have people in your life that are supportive of this decision. They don't understand it. And so, you know, just to have that community is very, very helpful. And then if you're on my Facebook page at all, you know, I don't care about making folks uncomfortable. So that's the place <laughs> at all, at all. And telling people where they can go if they feel any way about it. I'm like, push that unlike button. Because for me, you know, uh, above all else, I'm not trying, I'm in this for likes, I'm in this for lives. And so, mm. you know, if you're, if you're here and you don't agree, if you're, especially if it's a white person listening, I'm just like, listen, you can, this is an echo chamber. This is not, there's no room for you to come in here with your, uh, with your tears. So I'm very unapologetic about my blackness on there. It's very liberating. Yeah. And I, and I think with this podcast, this is my space to feel liberated I yeah. think in a lot of my other spaces. I just, you know, I'm really trying to um, just empower just anybody. But for my podcast, it was really to be a support network for black black mothers and families to either supplement their children's education or to homeschool them. I think, you know, everybody isn't given the privilege to homeschool. And I understand that. Um, even though, you know, I think when we, we're naturally teachers, we're naturally educators. Um, and I, I view homeschooling as a guide. You know, I talked about my experience earlier. It's, you know, a relationship where I'm learning from my kids and they learn from me. So it's so important for us to just be in a comfortable space where we can talk about how our educating experience is a little bit different. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's, it's an African-centered podcast where we can be honest. So I appreciate your honest conversations today. And I thank, thank little Miss Gia 
for letting <laughs> us have this time. So I don't want to, you know, take more time away away from her. So um, thank you. I appreciate it and this conversation. And yes. do you have? I'll catch you in edible gardening. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Start getting my seed starts, girl. Um, no, thank you so much for having for having me on, and, and thank you for the work you, you all do as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good evening.